And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. If you're listening to my show, you're looking for tips on how to work smarter, not harder. And let's be real, you're already working hard to earn your money, but how do you make sure that your money is working hard for you? Here's how. With a Betterment Automated Investment and Savings app, your money will go to work. They've got technology that will provide you with advanced tools, and they're built to help maximize your returns, not to mention your time. They have expert-built portfolios of low-cost exchange-traded funds. You know I love those exchange-traded funds. There's automated investing technology, and as part of that, automated rebalancing. Many of you have been asking about rebalancing, and it sort of feels like a hard thing to do on your own. With Betterment, easy peasy. They do it for you. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Learn more about high-yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk, Performance is not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease, fresh installs and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own? Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome to the Jill on Money Show. It is Wednesday, November 29th, and we are here answering your financial questions. If you have one, it's so easy. Just go to our website, jillonmoney.com, jillonmoney.com. And when you get onto the site, on the upper right-hand corner, there is a little button that says, Contact Us. Wherever you go on that website, whether it is on the front door, or maybe it's on the uh, blog section, or maybe you're going to look at the, uh, the books that I've written or the resources, the Contact Us button, it's always there. So click the Contact Us button, let us know what's going on. And of course, if you want to come on the air, all you need to do is check the box. Mark does everything else. You know, here we are. It's the 29th in one week. As we enter into December, we have something special for you. We have got a fabulous guest for your year and tax and financial planning. This is part of our Jill on Money live service. And next week, we are going to have Dan Forbes. He's a certified financial planner. He's a guy who I trained firsthand. He was my guy. I love Dan. He's going to join us. He is going to answer your questions because he is a certified financial planner who's still in the advice business for real. That is his primary business. And I am just so delighted that he'll be joining us. If you would like to join that webinar next week, December 6th, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, you must join 
Jill on Money Live. It gives you access to webinars like this, four of them over the course of the next 12 months, and a lot of other bonus content that lives behind the paywall. You know who's on behind the paywall right now? Kathy Jones. She is like the Bond queen, and she was so great and generous with her time. We were able to spend a ton of time chatting about the fixed income market, which parts of the market look good, what looks bad. Again, that lives behind the paywall. That is bonus content. We just conducted it recently, so it's going to be great for you if you're looking at the bond market. Okay, time to turn on my real job, which is to actually respond to your question. So let's do some emails. This is from Courtney, who says, Hi, Jill and Mark. Thank you for all you do. My husband thinks we are ahead of the game when it comes to retirement. And I wonder if we're saving enough. So here are the facts. Okay, Courtney's husband makes $80,000 a year. There's money going into the Roth 401k with an employer match, and there's a Roth IRA, and Courtney makes $110,000. Also money going into the Roth 401k and Roth IRA. And let me give you, they're both 28 years old. And let me just say that like they're making almost $200,000 a year. They're 28 years old. They have, let me just give you the quick 90, 100. They have about 130 in his, about $200,000 in retirement assets, maybe a little more. And there's a little bit in a joint brokerage account. But they're only 28, my God. They've got a house that's worth 450,000. Their mortgage is 320,000. The interest rate is just under 4%. They don't have kids right now. They said, not sure whether we're gonna have kids in the future. Their expenses are about five grand. Okay, this is what Courtney's real question is. I would like to use our extra cash flow to increase my 401k contribution or to start putting money into our brokerage account. My husband thinks we can and should use the extra cash to live a little more, you know, more towards vacation and house projects. Our ambitious goal is to have the option to take a step back at age 45 with lower paying jobs to cover living expenses so we can get health insurance. I'd like a reality check. Are we on track or do we need to reevaluate our goals and savings? You're only 28. What are you thinking about 45? My gosh. Okay. First of all, I think that this is a situation that could change pretty dramatically whether you have kids or not. If you're not going to have children, the idea of spending a little bit more money now and having a little more fun in addition to putting money away, um, that seems more doable. If you do have children, I'm not sure that this plan works, but my my basic premise would be that if you have extra cash flow and some of it can go to living a little bit more generously today, but the rest, whatever that is, that extra cash flow should go into the brokerage, not into your retirement. Because if you really want some opportunities at age 45, you're going to need to have that money go into a account where the money's already been taxed. So I don't know, are you living miserly right now? Live a little. But if you actually think that you are living really well, then I would put extra cash flow into the joint brokerage account. Okay, this is David, who's 59. He's single. He's got no dependents. And he says, I plan to retire within three years. Listen to this. He's got roughly $2 million in 401k accounts. About 70% of those dollars are pre-tax then $400,000 in a Roth IRA. So $2.4 million. Oh my gosh. Also, I have savings of $800,000 in taxable accounts. This guy's unbelievable. 
he'll get a pension of 60 grand a year for the rest of his life. I don't plan to file for Social Security until at least my full retirement age of 67. Thinking ahead, I'm concerned about my tax liability when I reach age 73. That is when I will be required to take distributions from my pre-tax accounts. Are there steps that I can take right now to reduce my tax liability when I reach 73 and and I am forced to take required minimum distributions? Well, yes, absolutely. Here's what you could do. Right now, you could, as soon as you retire, you could pull money every year out of your pre-tax retirement account. So again, from say 60, say you're going to retire, said between within three years. So let's just say you retire when you're 63, 62, and then from 62 to 73 or 62 to 70, I would start pulling money out of those 401k accounts that are pre-tax and pay the tax that's due. I would do that every year so that you stay in some tax bracket that feels reasonable. You didn't say how much you make right now, but let's just presume that, you know, you're going to take some money out as a single person. Maybe you want to stay, you're going to, I mean, you're going to have a pension. So, you know, because you're going to have a pension, I would maybe start to take out, say, I don't know, are you willing to be in the 24% tax bracket? Maybe 22, probably 24. I would start pulling out enough money to stay in the 24% tax bracket. And I would do that every year. And I would delay claiming social security until I'm age 70. And then we should be able to pull a good chunk of money out of that pre-tax plan, pay the taxes that are due. And, you know, maybe later on you'll be using a qualified charitable distribution. Maybe that's something that you would be able to Um, execute later on and take some money out and give some money away. But I think you're in great shape. By the way, uh, the next, uh, the next email is from Anonymous Anonymous. So hello, Anonymous Anonymous. Uh, Subject, co-own a house. Oh boy, here we go. A family member wants to help me with the down payment on a house, not as a gift, but as a co-owner. And then also, I guess, be a name on the mortgage. They've got good credit. I would pay the mortgage. They would get their money back in any future sale. What are the things to consider to protect myself in this deal? I heard there are different ways to co-own joint versus tenancy in common. What should I be concerned about? I will eventually talk to a real estate lawyer. Figured I'd ask you first. Okay. First thing to realize is that when you're getting help with a house, you will be not only the co-owner of the house, but you'll have be joint and severally liable on the mortgage. So when you apply jointly, that's what you're trying to do, right? You want to use this person's good credit history to help you out. So, I mean, I think from your perspective, there's probably not a huge risk because this person is going to help you with a down payment and you will now co-own the home, Okay. And from the other person's perspective, their big downside risk is if you screw up and don't make the payments, that person's still on the hook for the loan. But let's presume that you're the good guy, anonymous, anonymous, or good gal. So what are other things you should think about? Well, you need to think about owning the home as a joint tenant uh, with rights of survivorship. So that if you were to die, your share would go to your the family member. And if the person who was co-owning with you would die, his or her share would go to you. If it's tenancy in common, the downside is that 
um, his or her share can pass to whomever. That person could maybe not be as nice a family member. So I would talk to a lawyer. Those are the things that you would want to know. And everything should be detailed in a probably a, a contract or some sort of side letter. Wendy wants to know about converting to a Roth IRA. Wendy writes, I'm 67. I hope to retire in about one and three quarters years. Should I start converting some of my traditional IRA to a fairly new Roth IRA? I will probably have less income in retirement, but I'm still afraid of having to pay so much in taxes when withdrawing from my traditional IRA. If I should convert, what percent now while I'm still working versus after retirement? I have to know a lot more about you, Wendy. You may be able to convert, but it has to be that you're not draining all of your liquidity from the money that you already have set aside. So it's incredibly important that you have enough money to begin the process of retirement and that you're not soaking up all that liquidity by converting. Otherwise, what you could do is, depending on your tax bracket, you could start pulling some money out of the traditional IRA, not even convert, just pull some money out and pay the tax that's due and stay in a tax bracket that is affordable to you. And the other thing that I would be clear about, I'm not sure when you're going to retire, but you know, you can pull money out at different levels at different times. And I'm hopeful that even if you're going to retire in a year and three quarters, that you're going to be delaying your social security until um, age 70. But a lot of this depends on what money you have available to pay the tax that would be due upon a conversion. Stephanie writes, Dear Jill and Mark, foremost, thank you for creating and hosting your show. I'm a big, big fan of your podcast. I've already read The Great Money Reset. Sometime in the next year, I plan on coaxing my husband to volunteer with me to go on the show. Until then, I have a question on the way I'm calculating my retirement savings rate of 15% of my total annual income. To understand if I'm meeting my target rate, of my gross annual income. I'm including contributions to my 457 Roth retirement plan, a backdoor Roth, and contributions to my workplace pension plan. Should I be including contributions to my pension plan in the calculation? Thank you for everything you do. Yes, of course, I would. You know, I mean, I look, I also don't want to go crazy with this because if you guys are putting a lot of money away and it's working for you, that's wonderful. It may be more interesting for us to figure out whether 15% is the right amount of money you should be saving. Is it too much? Is it too little? And, you know, maybe because you have a pension, you don't have to kill yourself on putting all this money away into retirement. Maybe you're going to be okay. So I'd love to know more about you, Stephanie. It sounds like you're doing the right thing and you can include your pension plan uh, contributions into the calculation. Or if you want to be very, very conservative, you could say, eh, I'm not even going to include that. But I would. I think I would. Um, I hope you do join us. It would be so much fun. Really, truly. Anyway, if you've got a financial question, all you need to do is go to our website, jillonmoney.com. Click the contact us button. Let us know if you'd be willing to come on the air. Happy hump day. It's always a good day to send a good financial note. Push it out there. Put it on us. Don't forget you can subscribe to this program on the Odyssey app, wherever you listen to your podcast is also uh, easy to do. And if you would not mind, leave us a rating and review wherever you listen. It is post-Thanksgiving, and I don't care. I'm still grateful, and I'm thankful for you, and I want you to be thankful for someone else. Someone needs a little bit of a lift, so try to do something nice for someone else today. Change your work, change your wealth, change your life. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.
If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. They've got everything you need to know about the listing itself. But even better, they've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools. And their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. Homes.com collaboration tools make it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information, all at your fingertips. Homes.com. We've done your homework.